0: Okay, three, two, one, oh my goodness, good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day, my name is Zach Schaumler, this is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 445, welcome in, happy Thursday, having a really just banging out episodes. bam, 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 getting episode after episode done, uh, throat is still very sore, I don't know why, I don't know what's going on. Um, maybe just because I talk all the time, all day long. I I have no idea. I really don't. Uh, But today is episode 445. Let's jump in. I want to talk about wildcard weekend. There are six games this weekend to kick off the NFL playoffs. I want to make my predictions, tell you who I think will win each game. First, there are two games on Saturday. The Raiders at Cincinnati and the Patriots at Buffalo. Now, the Raiders have had a wild year. It's been kind of a magical run. They've overcome a lot of really hard stuff to deal with as a team. Unfortunately, because uh, I like them, I got nothing but love for the Raiders and what they've done and the way they've overcome everything. Unfortunately, the magical run is going to come to an end on Saturday. I believe the Bengals will beat the Raiders. The Raiders' secondary is the main concern to me. Uh, I think Cincinnati's going to light them up. Joe Burrow, the starting quarterback in Cincinnati, who is very quickly becoming a top five quarterback in the NFL. He's going to have a big day. Uh, he's got Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. It's going to be a fun matchup to watch, I guess really the Bengals defensive line against the Raiders offensive line. That's a, you know the Raiders D line is good. I'm curious how the Raiders offensive line can handle them. But Cincinnati's going to win on, sun, uh, on Saturday, excuse me, games on Saturday. And Jamar Chase man is going to have a really big day. Unless like all the Bengals receivers get injured and something crazy happens, uh, Cincinnati should win this game on Saturday. Number two, the Patriots at Buffalo. This is my only pick from Wildcard Weekend that you could maybe consider an upset. Uh, it's not an upset to me because the Bills and the Patriots are very evenly matched, in my opinion. Uh, but the Bills are technically the higher seed, and there you go. Well, okay, maybe that's an upset because I believe New England will win this game on Saturday. The Bills already beat the Patriots once this year, and it's really, really hard to beat New England a second time in the same year. This is the third time they're playing each other. And Bill Belichick has a lot of film on Buffalo. He's seen how they're going to play stuff on defense and offense and how they're going to attack New England. So also on top of that, it's going to be freezing. The high temperature is supposed to be like freezing temperatures. It's going to be really, I think, zero degrees. Like It's something insane. It's going to be very, very cold on Saturday night in Buffalo. And the Patriots' style and how they play is better suited for cold weather. They run the ball really well. They play good defense. They literally won a game this year where Mac Jones, by the way, against Buffalo, in Buffalo, they won a game this year in a situation where Mac Jones, their starting quarterback, threw the ball three times the entire game. It's not going to be easy for Josh Allen to run the ball on Saturday. On top of that, I'm worried about the Bills' defensive line. Uh, I think the Patriots are going to have a field day running the football. The Patriots will win. However, it's going to be an amazing game. This is a game I'm I'm very, very excited for because it's a playoff game on a Saturday night in Buffalo. A crazy fan base that's wild and energetic and fun. The atmosphere is going to be incredible. I cannot wait to watch this game on Saturday night, but I have the Patriots winning uh, nonetheless. Okay, there are three games on Sunday. Number one, the Eagles will lose to Tampa on Sunday. Uh, They're on the road. Look, Philly's offense is built around running the football. And unfortunately for them, the Buccaneers' defense is arguably the best defense in the league at stopping the run. And as much as I love Jalen Hurts, the Eagles' quarterback, I love their head coach Nick Sirianni. They're kind of just glad to be here. They're glad to be in the playoffs at all. Whereas Tampa is a legit Super Bowl contender. This one feels like a mismatch. Um, and uh, you know, I, the Buccaneers on Tom Brady are going to win on Sunday. How about the 49ers at the Cowboys? I feel like the 49ers do some good stuff. Uh, I like them. I, I love Debo Samuel. And I, I got nothing but, I don't hate the 49ers, but I do believe Dallas will win this football game for two very, very simple reasons. Number one, uh, which team has a better roster all around? Dallas. They've got a lot of firepower on offense. They've got playmakers on defense. Micah Parsons, Javon Diggs. Who's got a better quarterback, by the way? Also, Dallas, right? Dak Prescott or Jimmy Garoppolo? I'd take Dak Prescott any day. And so because they've got a better team with a better quarterback, I'm going to pick Dallas to win this football game. Uh, But I I would like to see the 49ers do well. And uh, this could be Jimmy Garoppolo's final game as a starting quarterback in San Francisco, or at least with the 49ers. They're playing on the road in Dallas. But I got Dallas winning on Sunday. The third game on Sunday, Pittsburgh at Kansas City. Kansas City will win this game, and they're actually, man, they're such a complete football team. They're so different than they were to start the year. They've gotten better and better as the year went on. The defense is so, so good. And, man, I actually believe that this has been a very important year of growth for a starting quarterback in Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes. He's a star. He's a gunslinger. Everyone knows he's incredibly talented. But this year forced him to kind of develop a little bit and, and polish even farther than just a guy who can make crazy throws and do crazy stuff. Because he's become an even better decision maker, he's taking what the defense gives him. If there's nothing open vertically, he's finding his checkdown. He's finding stuff underneath. He had a 17 play drive last week against Denver. Blew my mind. I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize he was capable of that. And he's just done that more and more as the year has gone on. And even though it's you know Big Ben's final game for the Steelers, probably it's his last ride. We'll say it may not be his final game. You know, I'm gonna leave the door open for Pittsburgh to win the game. I don't want to like be so. You know, doom and gloom and definitive, but it's Big Ben's final ride with his team in Pittsburgh. And I wouldn't mind seeing magic happen. I really, I'm not against Pittsburgh. I love their running back Najee Harris, but I believe Kansas City will win this game. And I think most people, even Steelers fans, would agree with me on that. How about Monday? A Monday night football playoff game. I want to say this right off the bat this is a disadvantage. And, and I don't I don't love this because you lose a day of preparation. Every other team plays on Saturday or Sunday, so they have six or even seven days to prepare for their next game. When you play on Monday, you've got a very short week going into the next round of the playoffs. I don't like that. That's a weird thing I'm uncomfortable with. Now, the good news is I don't think either of these football teams has a real legitimate shot to win a Super Bowl. So, like, ah, eh, no harm, no foul, in my opinion. It's not like you're taking away an opportunity from a true top contender. And... I really have no idea who's going to win this game, and I know I just dumped a lot of information people are very angry about. Let me explain. Uh, And and I guess if I have to pick someone to win this football game, I'll I'll go with the L.A. Rams because I think that what they have on defense is more defensive playmakers, guys who can force a turnover or make something happen. You got Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Von Miller. So even though I have no idea, like if you want me to pick a team, gun to my head, I'll I'll pick the Rams. But the reality is, I don't know who's going to win this football game. But here is a valuable prediction I can give you: something that has got some substance that is interesting to me. I want to predict how the game will go, maybe the flow of the game, because both teams have really, really big problems, in my opinion. Arizona's problem is that they make a ton of mistakes in big moments, whether it's a bad snap or penalties or drop passes or running the wrong route or miscommunication against Green Bay in the end zone with AJ Green, your you know, one of your top receivers. They have everything. You name it. The the Arizona Cardinals find a way to make mistakes in key moments in football games and they have all year. They got a lot of talent, but they get in their own way. That's also how you could describe the Rams starting quarterback Matthew Stafford. A lot of talent, but he gets in his own way. The Rams starting quarterback Matthew Stafford seems to love for some reason I don't know why I, I'm convinced he must really love throwing terrible, boneheaded interceptions. I don't know why he does it. Every single game, there's a throw or two where you're like, bro, what, what what's happening? Why did you make that throw? Like, I, I watched him against Tampa earlier. I think it was Tampa this year, early on. He made a couple of throws that he didn't get picked off on, but he, he literally, you could see on his face, he was like, I just got really lucky. And it, it doesn't go away. It's just who he is. And so... You know, by the way, last week, the Rams blew a 17 to nothing lead against the 49ers, and Stafford had a chance to win the game in overtime, and he threw an interception again, right? It just, that's who he is. So here's what I predict from this football game. It's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. A lot of talent on both sides of the field. Rams, Cardinals, they're both good teams. They've played each other twice this year. They've each won one game. Now, neither team's going to win a Super Bowl because of the problems I said earlier. Arizona's got all kinds of mistakes. I think it's a coaching issue or some kind of lack of detail. And the Rams have Matthew Stafford, who loves throwing boneheaded interceptions. So my prediction is this game will be decided by some kind of a late mistake, a bad penalty, a turnover, a fumble, something bad is going to happen at the end of this football game and it's going to be a deciding factor. This game will not have a clean ending. We're like, oh, my gosh, the hero, Matthew Stafford, throws a game-winning touchdown. I don't think that's going to happen. I think what's going to happen here is the game will be decided by some kind of an ugly mistake at the end. And uh, that is my prediction for the Cardinals and the Rams. Enjoy it, man. It's going to be an amazing, amazing weekend of football. I cannot wait. And, uh, hey, I look, the only upset I predicted is I guess, you know, The Patriots beating Buffalo, which isn't really an upset to me. But that's because I think the teams that are higher seeded are basically the better teams across the board this week. And uh, I don't need to force some kind of upset prediction. I just don't believe that's going to happen here. So uh, those are my predictions for NFL's Wild Card weekend to start the NFL playoffs. All right. Uh, Let's talk about Tom Brady. Let me drink some water real quick because something was brought to my attention that blew my mind. So, here it is. Uh, by the way, uh, Tom Brady, I, I don't know the exact number here, but I, I did see another stat, too. I should find it. I'm not going to. Since turning 40 years old, between the playoffs and the regular season, Tom Brady has thrown as many touchdown passes. Since turning 40, as Troy Aikman, a Hall of Fame quarterback, you know, through his, through in his entire NFL career. <laughs> and now, the game has changed. It's different. There's no Emmitt Smith, but... That's amazing. Now, this year, Tom Brady, at the age of 44 years old, led the NFL in five wild categories. He, had, he led the NFL in passing yards with 5,316. He led the NFL in touchdown passes with 43. He led the NFL in pass attempts with 719. That means he threw the ball more than any other quarterback in the NFL at 44, mind you. He also led the NFL in completions with 485. Part of that is because he threw the ball more than anybody. But part of it is because he's very, very good at football. And he had more yards per game with 312 point something than every other quarterback in the league. And all while leading his team to a 13-4 record and a NFC South division title. What's the point? What I'm saying is you better understand at 44 years old, Tom Brady ain't going anywhere. He's at the top of his game. I I don't even know what to do with this information because <laughs> the end is nowhere near. We I don't know when he's going to retire. It could be four more years of the rate he's playing. But for him to statistically be the best quarterback in the entire NFL at 44 years old, older than any quarterback I've ever seen play, it's remarkable and we're watching guys like big ben who's younger drafted after him retire eli manning's gone peyton manning's gone drew Brees is gone they're all dropping like flies and tom brady uh partially due to his commitment to his body and whatever but also just i think he's figured out hey i need to make sure i don't get hit i need to be on a good football team tom brady's found a way to you know he's getting older maybe physically like his body but mentally he's sharper than ever and uh It's just unbelievable. I want to give credit and acknowledge what Tom Brady's done this year because for him to be where he is at 44 years old is unbelievable. And I'm convinced if he wants to try to play till 50, it's not not impossible, which I, how? How can a man play a physical, violent sport like football till the age of 50? Now, again, he's barely getting hit. Uh, I know that the rules are protecting quarterbacks more than ever, and he's also like, I've seen him, you know, like, oh, don't touch me. And throw the ball in the dirt. Like, he's avoiding hits at all all costs. But uh, what Tom Brady's doing at the age of 44 is unbelievable. Okay, Um, news of the day, something that very, very much surprised me. I I saw this and was like, really? That's, That's very, very weird. So the Houston Texans have fired their head coach, David Coley, after just one year. It's very weird. Like, you know that song? It's like, how bizarre. Do-do-do-do-do. I feel. You know, I think Portugal the man, something. Like, how bizarre. I, I play that. It's like, how bizarre? What's going on? Houston went 4-13 and 13, uh, this year. And when they first hired David Coley to be their head coach, I remember literally, he was the Ravens passing game coordinator. And I remember thinking, first of all, who is this guy? I've never really heard of him before. B... The Ravens are not a very good passing team. They're known for running the football very well. And I was not excited about David Culley at all. I literally think I said he's the only doofus who's willing to take the job, right? But I'm not going to lie to you. As the year went on and I watched Houston and he won four games, I thought they were going to be by far the worst team in the entire NFL. And he actually, in my opinion, overachieved. David Culley gained my respect. He hired good coaches. Pep Hamilton was his quarterback coach. He had a rookie quarterback, Davis Mills, playing very, very well. You could argue that Davis Mills was the best rookie quarterback this year, him or Mac Jones, but Mac Jones had a lot of help in New England. Davis Mills did not have that. And David Coley had basically nothing to work with. And I got to say, I feel horrible for the guy. He got an opportunity to be a head coach. Yeah, he didn't have a winning season. But he took a situation in Houston that no other coach was willing to even take. He did not deserve to get fired. I, I just, man, I, I walked away with a bunch of respect for him, feeling bad for him for getting fired. And Houston, wow, wow, how tone deaf can you be? Do you? Does anybody remember the narratives from last off season? All anybody was saying was that the culture in Houston—it's the worst in the entire league. Hey, guess who kind of helped repair the reputation of the Houston Texans? The guy you just fired, David Culley. Because you're not seeing those reports anymore, but part of it is because of David Culley. And maybe, maybe what Houston saw, you know, Nick Casario, the GM, has a New England connection. And maybe he's like, hey, I'm going to hire Brian Flores and get fired by Miami. I I don't know. Maybe they have a good hire lined up. And I'm oblivious. I don't know. But I, I wouldn't want that job. I'm like, oh, oh, in Houston, if you overachieve and do well and better than expected, they're going to fire you after one year. The, the only guy, David Coley, the only person who would actually work with them, they turned turn their back on. Okay, yeah, I don't trust ownership at all forever in Houston. I already hated the ownership and hated the management. Now I'm like, oh, it's, it's worse than I even thought. Now they do have some good stuff to work with. Maybe, arguably, in Houston, they have Davis Mills' his young quarterback, who, again, arguably the best rookie quarterback last year. Uh, they have Deshaun Watson's rights. So maybe if he's found – if the legal stuff figures itself out, maybe you can trade Deshaun Watson for some good draft picks that can be leveraged into a way to you know, build around Davis Mills. I don't know. But this is a weird move. But where's that Portugal? The Man song? how bizarre. Do, 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 do. How bizarre. Um, I, I don't get it, man. I really don't understand. <laughs> and, and even even weirder, and this is why I think it might be that, hey, they saw that Brian Flores got hired. Nick Casario, the GM in Houston, has a connection. He's like, hey, maybe I can hire, you know, Brian Flores. Although I don't know why Brian Flores would go somewhere without a star quarterback because that appeared to be his problem before. Um but unless they have a, a, a somebody they're going to hire lined up, which maybe they do, because usually you fire your head coach Monday after the games are over. Houston waited until Thursday. So they stuff happened. Somebody changed their mind and decided to get rid of David Culley then. So maybe it was, hey, we didn't believe Brian Flores was going to get fired. We want to go get him instead. That could be possible. But uh, David Culley got the short end of the stick. He got shafted. He got screwed over. And I thought he did a very, very admirable job at co- as head coach of the Houston Texans and way better than anybody expected him to do. And I-, I thought he was competitive a couple times this year and was not supposed to be. So for them to fire him uh, feels unjust and weird. And they-, they turned their back on, again, the only guy who was willing to work with them last year. So um, Houston, good luck. Unless you got somebody lined up, though. I Oh, boy. Oh, boy. We'll see what happens in Houston, but I'm not excited for them or, or their future, unless, they, of course, they hire – they make a shocking hire and hire somebody really good. Maybe they hire Brian Flores. Maybe they hire Eric B. Enemy, Maybe Deshaun Watson gets cleared. I, I have no idea what's going to happen, but there's a lot up in the air. I don't trust ownership, and I don't – I'm not going to bet on the Deshaun Watson situation working out well. So if I'm a potential coach of the Houston Texans, I'm like, I, I, I guarantee you there's a lot of better opportunities elsewhere. Around the league with, by the way, a team that has more talent, a team that, um, you know, has a ownership that you can trust. It's not like the Houston Texans are loaded with a bunch of really good talent either. So I don't know, man, I, I can't imagine that that's a very, very attractive job, but we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not hating the Houston Texans, but um, well, maybe I'm a little bit. They screwed over a, a guy I, I really gained respect for, David Coley, and uh, that felt wrong to me. All right, let me drink some water real quick. Uh, let me drink some tea actually. I got ginger tea today. No more throat coat. Actually, just ran out. Yeah, I wish I could tell you like, oh, I, you know, I just ran out of throat coat, and I'm sticking with the ginger tea now. It's really good. Works great for me. All right, around the NFL, eight coaches have been fired this year in the NFL. So there might be eight new football teams looking for a new head coach, I'm including the Las Vegas Raiders on, you know, in this topic, because even though they made the playoffs, it's not clear they're going to keep their interim head coach, Rick Bisaccia when the year comes to an end. So I'm going to say, hey, maybe the Raiders are one of the teams that are in the running for maybe hiring a new head coach. So let's start by going through the pros and cons of each team. If I was a potential head coach, where would I want to go? Uh, We'll start with Houston. They got Davis Mills uh, with the Texans. He's a young quarterback. He looked great last year. Arguably the best rookie quarterback in the league last year, him or or Mac Jones. Um, And he actually played Bill Belichick better than any rookie quarterback I have ever seen play against the Patriots defense in the history of the Bill Belichick era. They also have Deshaun Watson's rights, which means that maybe if things work out the right way, you could make a trade and leverage Deshaun Watson for a couple draft picks, and use them to build around your young quarterback, Davis Mills. Other than that, though, there's not a lot of talent in Houston, and I really, really, after them firing David Culley after one year, the only person who was willing to work with them last year during the offseason. For them to turn their back on a guy who I thought did a respectable good job for them makes me just, I already didn't trust the ownership in Houston, but it confirmed my suspicion that, yeah, the ownership in Houston is peop, are, are people you just don't want to work with, and, and the management there, Yeah, I wouldn't trust them with you know, a 10-foot pole, error. whatever the saying is, I wouldn't trust them at all. I'm just, I'm not, I'm, I'm good. I don't want to work with them. Um, and so despite a quarterback and maybe some draft capital, if they can get a trade for Deshaun Watson, I would be wary of the opportunity in Houston. How about the New York Giants? Uh, Big Blue. Uh, I believe they have a problem at quarterback. They have Daniel Jones, who is not a quarterback I believe in. However, they do have two top 10 picks, which means that they have the number 5 overall pick and the number 7 overall pick. They could make a trade for a quarterback like Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson. They could leverage their picks for a star quarterback, which is a big deal. And if I'm a potential head coach, I go, what's the plan for those two picks? Because if I can get a top-tier quarterback, I'd feel way better about playing. Especially, hey, Russ Wilson in New York? I'm like, yeah, yeah sign me up. I'll work with that guy. Now, the Denver Broncos have a, are a team with—they also do not have a quarterback, but— they have a lot of potential. They got a lot of talent there in, in Denver, especially at the receiving core. I mean, they if you get a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, oh my goodness, it's a really, really good opportunity there. They also have the number 9 overall pick. So despite no quarterback, they got a lot of talent. Denver's not horrible. Now the Raiders have Derek Carr, a quarterback who, look, either Minnesota or or Vegas are the two teams that are the best teams that do not have a head coach or the best, the best quarterbacks without a coach. You know, Derek Carr is maybe the most underappreciated quarterback in the entire NFL. It it blows my mind that people, does anybody understand that Derek Carr took the Raiders this year to the NFL playoffs in a year where they lost their coach, had two starters cut and, and really horrible stuff off the field. And by the way, there's not a lot of talent around him in Vegas. Like Derek Carr is amazing and people just don't appreciate him at all. It drives me nuts. So the fact that the Raiders have Derek Carr is a massive piece of that would be very, very attractive if I was a potential head coach. The Minnesota Vikings have Kirk Cousins, a guy who I think that's a positive. I, you know, he's not perfect, but he I'm not going to argue that Kirk is one of the best quarterbacks in the entire NFL or anything, but he is certainly very underappreciated and at times has been one of the only good things on a losing football team last year in Minnesota. They also appear to have patient ownership in Minnesota. You know, they gave Mike Zimmer... A long time before they let him go uh this year. They also have some good players on offense. They got Dalvin Cook at running back, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, just to name a couple. In my opinion, though, a coach like Brian Flores should not go to Minnesota. You know, Minnesota needs an offensive coach so that can really get the most out of what they have. You know, the strength in Minnesota on their roster is talent on offense, and they need someone on the offensive side of the football to be their head coach to get the most out of what they got going on offense in. Minnesota, the Jacksonville Jaguars—they've got the number one overall pick in the upcoming 2022 NFL Draft. On top of that, they got the number one pick from last year too. They got a starting quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, who I really like, and I thought showed a lot of promise in the final game of the year against Indy. And despite, despite having a bad year, I, you know, I, Trevor, I'm like, hey, if I'm a coach and I'm confident in my, you know, what I can do, I'm like, I want to work with Trevor. I can help Trevor succeed. Uh, and he had a, a rocky year last year, but look at what went on in Jacksonville—they had. Urban Meyer going off the rails Had all kinds of stuff happening. But if I'm a coach with any kind of confidence, I'm like, I want to work with Trevor Lawrence and I can, I can work with him and make him and help him win games. The other benefit to Jacksonville is they have low expectations. The pressure is off. They haven't been good for a long time. Uh, It's a a fan base that just wants something positive. And you're coming off of Urban Meyer. Like I, I would compare this to, you know, if you're Jordan Love, the backup quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, you gotta follow up Aaron Rodgers. Do you understand how difficult it is to go after someone who's amazing? I did stand-up comedy a couple weeks ago, and thankfully, I went on stage after a bunch of people had bombed. And I'm like, I know I can go on and, and I can make this crowd laugh. They're hungry to laugh. They the expectations are very, very low. It's the same with Jacksonville. Urban Meyer was a train wreck. All you gotta do is be better than Urban Meyer. And you got some good young talent. You got Trevor Lawrence. You got a a number one overall pick upcoming. Jacksonville would be a very, very attractive opportunity if I was a potential head coach. How about the Chicago Bears? They've got a young quarterback, Justin Fields, who is a guy that has a lot of talent. They've got some good players, too. Khalil Mack is the one that comes to mind immediately. However, um, they do not have a first-round pick in Chicago, and they have a fan base that is rough. They are Oh, man, I would be wary of working with them. How about the New York – sorry, the New York Giants. What am I saying? How about – I missed something. No, I didn't. We'll move on. How about the Miami Dolphins? The Miami Dolphins have a limited quarterback to a tongue of a A guy who, in my opinion, needs a lot of help to win. He's going to need really good pieces around him and a coach that really works to his skill set. And he's never going to have a, a massive arm and be able to run around. He's always going to be a little bit, little bit limited physically. They also have a bad offensive line in Miami. They don't have a lot of talent outside of a couple of young players. They do have uh, you know, three stud second-year players going into next year, Jalen Phillips, Jalen Waddell, and Javon Holland. But overall, Miami's not that attractive of an opportunity in my opinion. Now, if I had to rank the eight teams that do not have a head coach right now permanently, which is the best opportunity to go be a head coach? You know, From best to worst, I would wonder You know, who has a quarterback, who doesn't, uh, who can get a quarterback that doesn't have a quarterback. Like the Giants don't have a quarterback, but they've got some trade capital they can move to go get a quarterback. Uh, who has good ownership? Who has ownership that I trust and would want to work with? Houston is not one of those teams that I would want to – work with know from an owner standpoint I don't trust them at all and which team has talent that I would want to work with I look at the Vikings and go oh boy so my number one team the best opportunity to go be a head coach is actually the Minnesota Vikings because they've got a good quarterback Kirk Cousins who gets a lot of hate he's not perfect he's not a top five quarterback in the NFL nothing like that but he's very competent and with a good head coach I think he could do a lot of good stuff he needs an offensive-minded head coach And if anything, Kirk is very underrated. they got good offensive weapons. Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, and patient ownership. They play in a dome. Uh, You have to play Green Bay twice a year, but they might lose Aaron Rodgers after this year, and then, hey, the the division's up for grabs. So uh, I'll play Chicago and Detroit twice a year if I'm Minnesota. I think Minnesota is the best opportunity for a potential head coach in the NFL. The number two best opportunity, the second best opportunity— Is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Got a quarterback? Yes, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, They got some talented young players. They've got low expectations from their fan base and their ownership. They just want something good to happen. And if you can give them something good, they will be satisfied. They got the number one overall pick coming up. I think the Jaguars are a massively great opportunity in the NFL. The third best opportunity is the Las Vegas Raiders. I would want to work with Derek Carr. He has never been in a great situation. He's never had a great team around him. He just made the playoffs this year in a year where they lost their head coach and a couple players during the season. He is so much better than people realize. And I would want to give him a good team for him to play on. He's a great leader. He's talented. I would look at Derek Carr if I'm a potential head coach. And I'm like, dude, Derek, let's build something together. Derek Carr is the most attractive thing the Raiders have going for them. And uh, for some reason, casual NFL fans just do not appreciate what he does. Now, the fourth and fifth best opportunities in the NFL are two teams that do not have a quarterback, which, hey, normally I would say avoid that. However, uh, the Denver Broncos, there's a lot of talent there. They do have the number nine overall pick, uh, so they could draft a quarterback. Maybe they trade for Aaron Rodgers, but all they need in Denver is a quarterback. They've got a lot of really good players in Denver. They're, you know, the GM called them a sleeping giant, and I tend to agree with them. They just need to figure out the quarterback position, and if they're a quarterback away from winning, you got the number nine overall pick. You got maybe a trade opportunity for Aaron Rodgers. Who knows if Aaron really wants out and wants to win. I'm like, Aaron, hey, come play and come pull a Peyton Manning. Come work with me. I think Denver's a really good opportunity. Uh, they just, they got to figure out the quarterback and they got to, I think, hire an offensive minded head coach. Number five, the New York Giants are the, the fifth best opportunity to be a head coach in the NFL. They do not have a quarterback. Uh, they don't have a ton of talent. They're not hopeless, but they're not great by any means but they've got two top 10 picks, which means that in my opinion, they can very easily go from a team that does not have a quarterback to a team that, you know, you can leverage those, the number five, the number seven overall pick to get a quarterback like Russ Wilson or Deshaun Watson. And I, you know, a lot of people, I I said, I wouldn't want to coach in Chicago. The fan base there is rough. I actually would really like to coach in New York. I think their fan base is, there's a lot of passion. There is some anger there. They're not going to be easy on you they're very demanding but I actually really love the Giants fan base I would I would love to work in New York if I ever had to do local radio sign me up I'll do New York I'll take the passion I'll take the anger because they just want to win and if you're a head coach doing your best and you can if you take accountability and I don't know man I would not be afraid of Giants fans I think they are a fan base that has passion which is not a bad thing and uh I just – I would rather than hide away from them and say, oh, they're – instead of looking at your fan base as something that is against you, the thing is if you give them what they want, if you win and you, you're working hard, they're also ride or die. Like Giants fans are very loyal, and uh, I don't know. I see the passion in a, a fan base that really wants to win, and I would not be deterred by the fan base in New York at all. In fact, if anything, I'd be encouraged and say, yeah, I, I'm up for the challenge, and I want to be a part of that, what's going on in New York. Number six, the Houston Texans. Uh, Davis Mills, arguably, I've said it multiple times in this topic, arguably the best quarterback that was a rookie last year. Him or Mac Jones. Mac Jones, probably better numbers, but Mac Jones had a playoff roster around him. Davis Mills had arguably the worst roster in the NFL. Davis Mills played Bill Belichick's defense better than any rookie quarterback I've ever seen. That includes Justin Herbert. That includes all kinds of quarterbacks. It's amazing what he did. And... On top of having a starting quarterback, Davis Mills, who I think is a franchise quarterback, you also might be able to trade Deshaun Watson for some draft picks where you could potentially like if you trade Deshaun Watson to New York and get the number five and number seven overall pick, you can continue to build around Davis Mills, your young quarterback. Uh, what's the big problem in Houston, though? I, I said it over and over again. Their ownership is is a group that I Cal McNair, uh, I don't trust him. I don't trust any of the ownership in in New York or or the New York, sorry, excuse me. I don't trust the ownership in Houston, and um, I I wouldn't want to work with them. I I think they're terrible. I think they are – I don't trust them. I think they are – they fired David Culley, a coach who did a respectable job for them after one year, when he was the only person who was in their corner willing to work with them. So um, I would not want the job in Houston, but they do have a quarterback. They do got some – potential trade opportunities that they could build around their young quarterback. It's not a terrible opportunity. Uh, here are the two worst opportunities, in my opinion, in the NFL, number seven and number eight, number seven, the Chicago bears are the seventh worst you know, seventh best. Maybe they're, they're far from the top of the best opportunities in the NFL to be a head coach. You do have Justin Fields, the bears, young quarterback. However, um, Justin Fields or Davis Mills, who played better last year? Davis Mills was a better quarterback all around than Justin Fields was last year. Davis Mills uh, was more polished. He made better decisions. Justin Fields, the quarterback in Chicago, has a lot of talent. Dude can run, has a big arm, but he's still developing. And I I just who's a better quarterback? Davis Mills right now. But if you're a confident head coach and you're like, look, I can take the skill set of Justin Fields and teach him how to be a better quarterback, like, the sky's the limit there. Now, unfortunately, the Bears do not have a first-round pick and— in my opinion, they've got a toxic fan base who second guesses everything and has you know just no understanding of football It just drives me nuts so the The Bears fan base is one that I would not you know you could look at it as a challenge to like, oh yeah, I'll take on what it is, but I think actually they go beyond passion and into the word toxic and I would not want to really be the head coach in Chicago uh you got a quarterback who is maybe maybe not good, Justin Fields, he got no first round pick. Uh, And you've got a fan base that is going to be very impatient and overly critical of every little thing you do. And I'm like, I'm out. I'm good. I don't need that. I would rather there's so many other opportunities that are better. I don't need to deal with Chicago Bears fans. I'm, I'm totally good. Number eight, the very worst opportunity to be a head coach in the NFL right now is the Miami Dolphins. They've got a bad offensive line. They've got no first round pick. They've got Tua at quarterback. I love Tua as a human being. But he's very limited. He needs a lot of help. He needs a good offensive line, which I don't know how they're going to find a good offensive line with no first-round pick, not a lot of draft capital, not a lot of trade value going on there. How are you going to win in Miami? I don't know because you need a coach who wants Tua, who's committed to Tua, and somehow finds a way to build an offense around Tua even though they've got not a lot of value and pieces they can use to build. So I'm concerned about Miami. I think they're by far the worst opportunity to be a head coach in the NFL And uh, it's going to be hard to win in Miami, for sure, in my opinion. All right. uh, The Miami Dolphins fired their head coach, Brian Flores. And so I want to see Brian Flores now make a move to the New York Giants. I think Brian Flores is a coach that did very well in Miami, overachieved won games he probably shouldn't have. Um, And in New York, you got this crazy opportunity where you have the Number five and number seven up pick. Two top ten picks. And what you can do in New York is trade those picks for Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson. And I, I'm telling you guys, I think Brian Flores is a guy who can build a culture, who can win, who's gotta, who can build a great defense for sure. He needs to get out of his way and hire a good offensive coordinator. I don't, know, I don't know what his plan is there. He so far in his career has not been able to do that as a head coach. But what I want to see more than anything is what can Brian Flores do? as a head coach, when he has a star quarterback, a guy like Wilson or Watson. And uh, I don't know. Keep your eyes open because I'm very interested to see where Brian Flores will land next. I think he might be a head coach even as early as next year. And uh, if not, that will be a great defensive coordinator. But I'm excited to see what Brian Flores will do next in the NFL. All right. Um, put some, I need some chaps to grow because my lips are getting very chapped. Throat's killing me. Doing my best. It's a Thursday. Uh, Tomorrow will be predictions versus reality. Knowing me, knowing how long it's going to take to make that. It probably won't come out until Saturday, but I'm working on it. It's coming. Last weekend, we got to see Green Bay Packers' second-year quarterback, Jordan Love, play a little bit. He played the entire second half against the Detroit Lions, and he was 10 for 17 passing, 134 yards, one touchdown, two late interceptions. I'm not going to lie here. I feel horrible for Jordan Love because it's going to be really, really hard to follow Aaron Rodgers. Whether, whether Jordan Love is a good quarterback or not, the standard of play in Green Bay right now with Aaron Rodgers is just unbelievable. And, and the fan base expects Aaron Rodgers. And to go from Aaron to Jordan Love, it's, there's a huge gap between them. And even if Jordan Love is a competent starting quarterback, it's just, that's a hard, tough act to follow. And it's not only talent that separates Jordan Love from Aaron Rodgers. It's also like sideline demeanor. You see very clearly, and part of it's from clearly from experience, being there, being a veteran. But Jordan Love is nowhere near as calm or confident as Aaron Rodgers. And that does leak out in how you, you see him on the sideline, the way he interacts with people. He doesn't come across as a guy who is casually just like cool and comfortable. Now, he made some good throws, though, I will say. He had a, a good touchdown throw that got dropped. He threw it up and over defender on the run, by the way, to the corner of the end zone. That should have been a touchdown. He beat the Blitzy a couple times throwing where he cut the ball out of his hands very quickly, made good, accurate throws. I think Jordan Love is, is very, very close to becoming a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL, which is surprising to me. He's actually developed more than I thought I was going to see him have done when I watched him against the Lions. Um If Rodgers leaves, though, again, it's going to be a massive drop-off, and it's going to be a very jarring change for Green Bay. But Jordan Love ain't bad. Jordan Love can play. He's got a good arm. He's accurate. He's getting the ball out quick. He knows their system very well. Uh, He did get his stats padded a little bit. He had a 62-yard touchdown pass on a tight end screen. That made him look a little better than he probably was. But again, had a touchdown dropped, so it all evens out maybe a little bit. Now, both of his interceptions came at the end of the fourth quarter, with the Packers down, they had a chance to score to win the game and then score to tie the game both times. He threw an interception. The first one was not his fault. It got tipped at the line. It did actually also bounce off a receiver's hands, then got picked off. His second interception was a throw that went high over receiver. It you know, went past the intended receiver, over his head, into a waiting defender's hands, got picked off. Uh, on top of that, he also missed Equinemius St. Brown on a deep post where he needed to lead him across the field and instead threw it way too you know, vertical and made the receiver have to slow down, and missed an open window. Um, I will say, though, surprisingly, uh, Jordan Love is not hopeless. He's got a lot of talent. He is getting better. He is doing stuff that you would want to see from a quarterback who is developing, getting the ball out quickly. He knows where to go with the football. He's actually making good decisions, even if he's not being as accurate. as He missed that throw to Equinemius St. Brown, but that's the right read. Or his throw to, you know, touchdown. Should have been caught. That's the right read. Or even the one that got picked off the second time where he threw the ball high. That's another good read. He just needs to be more accurate. And so I look at Jordan Love. He's very, very close to becoming a starting caliber quarterback. And whether he stays in Green Bay. If Aaron wants to stay in Green Bay, I think they'd keep him. But you could trade Jordan Love to, say, the Denver Broncos for the number nine overall pick. And that's not a terrible situation for either of them. So... Uh, Jordan Love is becoming a really, really interesting either a trade piece or potential franchise quarterback in Green Bay. Not perfect, but he's also a guy who's barely played at all. And for a guy who hasn't played very much, he looks like a guy who could become a starting quarterback in Green Bay. I got one final note. Uh, it's I think it has to do with Kirby Smart. Did anybody see the moment where uh, Kirby Smart was helping Bryce Young up? after Bryce Young threw a pick six in the national championship on Monday, you know, Bryce Young, the Alabama quarterback throws the game ending interception. They're down eight points. They need to score. He throws a pick six. That's ball game. You know, it puts Georgia up 33 to 18, but Kirby smart as he's celebrating in that moment, sees Bryce Young, the Alabama quarterback at his feet and he helps the guy up and he pauses his celebration to do a respectful thing for the young man, Bryce Young. And, if it wasn't clear, it really blows my mind how much clear respect there was between Georgia and Alabama the entire game and the entire year. And that moment, if not, you know, I'm not a huge Kirby Smart fan. I think is kind of the way he he speaks, and I, so there's something about him I don't. I'm not very interested in. But that was a moment where he showed his true character, and I was like, oh, oh wow! Like that's a guy who, you know, he didn't put himself first when he could have been celebrating a national championship victory. He was actually picking up an opponent. And uh, it gives me goosebumps to think about, like, wow, wow, we learned a lot about Kirby Smart in that moment. It's unbelievable. Hey, one other moment I want to talk about. Um, <laughs> there was a moment where, as Jalen Hurts was leaving the field against Washington earlier this year, the the stands basically, you know, he's walking, starting to walk through the tunnel, and the stands to his left collapse and fall at his feet. And he actually almost got, like, maybe a career-ending injury, where if that lands on his leg... He's done so. And now, you know, thankfully, he avoided the hit. And then what happened was there was a bunch of fans now, Eagles fans, by the way, laying on the ground, like probably in pain. They fell five feet on their side. It's kind of crazy. And that's a, a massive problem. The, the stadium appears to be falling apart in Washington. But I want to give a lot of credit to Jalen Hurts, because in that moment, it's a stressful moment. It's a high tense moment. You know how strangers falling at your feet and you almost got your leg like clipped. And what Jalen did was diffuse the situation. He was gracious. He was kind. He ended up helping up Eagles fans, giving them a hug, and turned what could have been a very scary, alarming, high, tense, stressful situation. Jalen Hurts calmed it down and handled it well and positively. And if that doesn't say a lot about who he is as a quarterback beyond, you know, his accuracy and decision-making, but how he handles that kind of moment, that's the kind of guy I want as my quarterback, a guy who doesn't panic, who doesn't run away. But instead, it's not only his immediate reaction was to be calm, collected, empathetic. He diffused a very tense situation and uh, says a lot about him as a quarterback and as a person. And it's it's a highlight of the year for me watching Jalen Hurts that I haven't had a chance to talk about because it's kind of a weird moment. But I really was like, wow, it's a very, very impressive thing to see from the Eagles quarterback, Jalen Hurts. Uh, Guys, I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening. I've now talked for forty-something minutes. Uh, that's the whole show for today. For today, I love you. I appreciate you. Have a great day. But bum, bam, we are done.